Well, hey, girl, welcome to She's Doing Big Things. I'm your host, Alicia Lee, the original she, top income producer, freedom advocate, serial entrepreneur, winner of all the things, world traveler, and now digital nomad. I've lived my entire life feeling a little different, dreaming a little bigger, doing a little more, and believing I was destined to have it all. So I can imagine if you're here, you get it. You're a dreamer, a doer, an entrepreneur, so you're ready to set some big goals and smash them. So with that in mind, let's freaking get started. Hello, hello, my CEOs, and welcome to another episode of She's Doing Big Things. I am so excited to bring this episode to you today. So I'll tell you, a while back, I put one post in a group regarding podcast guests, and whoa, oh my gosh, the response was amazing, and I've gotten to connect with so many wonderful women. 38 applied, 22 were chosen, and AJ was one of the very first, and honestly, probably one of the ones that I connected with right off the bat the most. She is definitely a doer in this world. She's a go-getter and such an energetic soul, as you will see as we dive into this overly pertinent topic as you start and scale your business. So many women have this burning question inside of them. And by burning question, I mean like this gnawing doubt. The question asked to herself goes a little something like this. But will I be seen as an expert enough to make an impact? And my dear, this question, this doubt right here, right there, it kills more businesses than any other barrier or thought you have had or will ever have. It's the ultimate setback. It's the lack of belief in your own abilities that can halt you in your tracks and stunt any growth as you invite others in to impact them. The energy that this question exudes is one of insecurity, of needing of questioning, and it does not exude the confidence that your venture and hell you deserve as a human being. Now, this question is unequivocally more relevant to those who've been stunted by society as a minority or as a person of an underserved community. It's a fact. Imagine overcoming your socioeconomic status, the color of your skin, your innate heritage, or your disability in addition to the expectations of society, social media, your own brain, and those around you. Holy moly, layers of complexity, right? This adds a new layer, and this is precisely who AJ serves and how she impacts the world around her. She helps undervalued working women of color overcome self-doubt and imposter syndrome that we all struggle with to build thriving lives as visible leaders. Now, if that's not big, deep, and really meaningful work, then I don't know what the heck is. So I am beyond excited to bring AJ onto the podcast to dive into this topic and to truly see more women rise. So here we go. Let's do this. AJ, how are you today? I'm doing great, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me on here. I barely recognize the person you did an intro to when you read it, but 
thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. Well, I am so excited and I will always say one of my gifts is seeing the hugeness of people as they stand in front of me that sometimes maybe they don't even see themselves. So lady, you are big, large, in charge and doing amazing things in this world. And I'm so excited to dive into this. Absolutely. Me too. So let's get into it. All right, lady. Yes. I love the enthusiasm. So I am so excited to have you here to bring this topic to light and to rediscover what it means to get visible as you peel back the layers to such. Because I feel like we all have a story, right? We all have a backstory and it's really important to hear it from you to understand your pivotal moments and to hear what brought you to this topic and to this platform specifically. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, to start off, um, I am, I was an immigrant child. And uh, so really where this journey started was, you know, when I moved to this country, when I was 14 years old, and I went through puberty and culture shock at the same time. Mm. And it was also the very first time I heard myself being called a minority. And I was like, Oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, because I had no idea. And um, from there, you know, my journey took me to, uh, you know, through rather, two traumatic brain injuries and uh, growing up and sort of seeing all the ways in which um, we, as a society, render each other invisible. We don't see the wholeness of the people in front of us and all the ways in which we render ourselves invisible too by the stories we tell ourselves. Um, so I've had several moments of pivoting, evolving, transcending, and just transforming to get to the point where I'm now able to help others uh, become more visible to themselves first and then to society. Mm, oh my gosh. I love that you just brought up the layer of to themselves first and then to society, right? Because it does mm -hmm. have to come through you first. And I love that. So, and I also want to point out, you mentioned um, multiple brain traumas. And though mm -hmm. those feel possibly far off and unrelatable to some of us, I think for so many of us, we have points of trauma in our lives where we either recognize or we don't recognize how they are affecting us now as adults and as growing humans. And so I think that those are really keynote elements to your story that were very traumatic for you. So talk to me about your personal barriers to being seen and known and obviously thus impacting in the ways that you wish to. Because I know you and I have discussed everything from, like you said, immigration to the different voices in your life to, gosh, expectation versus reality. So tell me your barriers and how you've triumphed to this point. Absolutely. So, I mean, so my tagline, you know, I'll, I'll start at the end of the story and work backwards. Um, my tagline now is making the invisible visible for better inclusion and belongingness, you know, because it really is about us first belonging in our own skin, you know, and understanding that we belong, like, you know, that, that we belong in our own skin. We can be comfortable in our own 
personhood. Um, For me, that um, journey has just been um, uh, a really awesome, but also a really windy roller coaster. You know, it started off, I think, with um, coming from uh, an Indian cultural background. Um, I was groomed to be a doctor, you know, and not just any doctor, uh, either a neurosurgeon or a cardiologist. Those were the two options given to me. And they were given to me when I was still very young and impressionable. And I didn't even know the diversity of jobs that are possible in the world at that point, you know. So when I was told that's what I was going to be, well, okay, cool. I just internalized it because I didn't know any better. And then it was actually after my first um, traumatic brain injury, which was a concussion. And back then, concussions weren't even classified as traumatic brain injuries. So I went to the uh, you know ER, and they literally told me to go home, sleep it off, and take some Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, except a week later, my whole world changed because all of a sudden, what I used to like, I didn't like anymore. What made sense to me previously didn't make sense to me anymore. And it really kind of forced me to look inward and say, uh, you know, and I was in all of these pre-med courses to be very specific and concrete. I was no longer enjoying the courses. I just started skipping them. Not one here and there. I legitimately didn't go to any class for two straight weeks. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, I don't even understand the point of this. I don't even understand what they're talking about. This is not fun. This is not enjoyable. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, my gosh, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And when I thought about that, that's when I realized, wait a minute. I've always been told I'm going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of went with it. Do I actually want to be a doctor? Holy crap, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was that first point of expectation versus reality, um, you know, where they came to head in my life because I was like, wow, all of these people are expecting me to be either a neurosurgeon or a cardiologist and like, I don't know, somehow magically change the world. I don't want to be a doctor. Does this mean I can't change the world? Does this mean I can't have an impact? Does this mean I can't do anything else? Now, if I don't want to be a doctor, what do I want to do? I don't know. Uh, How important is it to know? I don't know that either. You know, so all of these types of questions, those were the barriers that, that, that started coming up. And I guess in terms of like the triumphs of it um, or the triumph of it, it's being able to take the time to go on that really scary inward journey and say and still say yes it's scary yes I don't have all the answers yet but I'm still gonna do this because I have to figure out who I am for my sake Mm, oh my gosh there are so many women out there that are gonna feel this I know this as you're listening you're probably nodding your head in a very different way right like you might not have had a traumatic brain injury but you have something in your life that has suddenly clicked and you're thinking to yourself oh my gosh I was on this one path it was 
I was preconditioned to be XYZ. Society told me I needed to do blah, blah, blah. And it was predetermined for me. Or maybe I even thought that this is what I wanted or needed. And you wake up and you show up and voila. It's no longer what you need. It's no longer what you want. And I want women to know that it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change. It's okay to change your mind and decide to do something different as many times as it takes until you get in the zone of what feels really good to you. And I love that you are bringing this to light because there are so many people, especially right now and as this comes out, that are thinking, Maybe this job doesn't serve me anymore. Maybe this career doesn't, isn't what I want anymore. Maybe I want to be working from home. Or maybe I want to leave home and I want to be working back in an office. I want to be around people again. Whatever it is, there's going to be a something. There's At some point, you are probably feeling this pull to do something else. And it's okay to follow that. So... I know that we first explored on our call together, the original planning call that we had, that there were two types of pivots, right? So I like to call them micro pivots and macro pivots, sort of like microeconomics, macroeconomics. And I want to utilize your story to explain what these are because you and I are so alike in our abilities to pivot and adapt really quickly. So tell me one micro pivot you're experiencing within what you're currently doing and this big macro pivot that you experienced as the decision to no longer pursue medicine and to go into becoming an impact in a very different way. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up the fact that this can happen multiple times, um, that, 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 you know, you realizing that what you are doing is no longer serving you well for you to thrive, right? Because that's absolutely true. Um, I've actually had two macro pivots in my life. Um, The first one was that decision to not go into medicine, which it's really funny because I was just talking to my mother about it um, just a few days ago, actually, and sort of telling her, like, um, you know, especially with the way healthcare practitioners, with what they're going through right now, the frontline workers, mm-hmm. um, I told my mom, like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so glad, um, you know, I didn't go into medicine because um, that's, you know, I, I obviously now know that's not how, it was, how I was meant to serve, but especially looking at this. And then she goes, yeah, we still don't, you know, like, you could have been such a great doctor by now. And, you know, I sort of like laughed about it and mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, I wouldn't have. That's the thing. You think I would have been a great doctor. I probably would have burned out by it like the first year of medical school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the, so that was the first macro. The second one actually happened after my second traumatic brain injury. That's the one that was the more severe one where I left my body and had that out-of-body experience and watched uh, the medical team bring me back to life and You know, I came back knowing I was a doctoral candidate. I came back knowing I was in psychology, but I didn't even know my own name, Mm. you know? And so I actually, yes, it was incredibly traumatic. However, it was also, I mean, think about it, right? To be able to come back and then say, I don't even know my name. I don't know anything about my life and nothing in life makes sense. So... I am going to rebuild the entirety of my life exactly in the way I want it. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, you got to start from a clean slate. And how many of us get to say that we can, that we've done that? And yet the opportunity is there in front of us every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because even though I started from a clean slate, of course there were fundamental parts of me that didn't change, like my name or the fact that I still identify as a woman or the fact that I still, you know, am a heterosexual or cisgender. You know, like the internal parts, right? Like internally my values and the way I saw myself, those are really the micro pivots that led to this macro pivots, right? So um, I was in grad school. I was, uh, at this point, I was um, slated to be like the next psychology expert, um, you know, professor coming out of my field and like coming out of my specialty and niche and all of that. I dropped all of that like a sack of hot potatoes. Mm. Um, I said, I no longer want to do this. Um, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, I love the field. I love psychology. I love um, the insights provided. I don't like that we pigeonhole people and we pathologize them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that we focus on their problems instead of helping them um, hone in on their strengths. Oh, I love because, that. right? Because that's what I was doing. So that was when, you know, all of that internal micro pivoting I did in terms of what are my values now? Who am I now? Who do I want to be? What is the kind of impact I want to have, even in the smallest way on one person on any given day? All of those small, small realizations mm-hmm. and pivoting points led me to then say, I don't want to be a professor. I want to be a coach and a consultant. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love that so much. Controlling your own destiny and just pivoting until it feels good, until you reach that place where you're like, yes, this is aligned. This makes sense. I remember who I am again because it lines up with all of my values, all of my beliefs and everything that I want to do and how I want to impact. Oh, I love it. So Let's turn the tables a bit, right? Because we've gotten to hear so much about your story and how you've created what you've created and how you've come to be where you are. But there are women out there right now who are listening and they still feel invisible. And they're wondering how can they create or move from where they are, which is a place that they don't want to be. And how would they How would they even start? Let's talk to them. Awesome. Um, you know, so for any of um, anybody listening right now, uh, this is what I would say in terms of, you know, if you are feeling invisible right now. And what, first of all, let's talk about what that means, right? Feeling invisible. Mm-hmm. That means that, you know, and this is so true to, for so many women, regardless of like the ethnic um, or the disability or the um, sexual orientation, any of the other intersectionalities, just as women, right? We mm-hmm. um, are expected to do 250% of the work and may, we get maybe like, what, 50% of the credit? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talked down on when we're assertive and confident, uh, you know, we get the B word thrown at us. Um, And, you know, we're called like bossy and all of this other stuff. So that's what I mean by feeling invisible is, um, you know, you do, you show up. It's, I I love how you said it earlier. You show up, you 
do everything possible, but you are just not recognized. You're not acknowledged and you're not cherished for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that is, you know, if that is anybody who's listening right now, the first thing is to realize one, becoming aware of your invisibility is a huge step because now you actually have the power and the control to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so really unpacking at this point, if you are feeling underappreciated, undervalued, really unpacking all the ways in which that is showing up in your life. Yeah. And then saying like, I am going to do something to change this. Because this matters to me. I want to thrive. I know that on on the inside, I have this fire burning and waiting to get out to help other people and to have this impact. Because it's like I always say, right? I think you and I talked about it. If you actually want to change the world and not just talk about it, make a woman in charge and watch the magic happen. Mm, Yes. Yes. I, you and I talked about this for sure on our last call, just the fact that there is a double standard out there, regardless of what industry you're in, what you currently do. If you're a stay at home mom, if you're a wife, if you are just a woman showing up in the world, there's an expectation for you to juggle all of the things, do it well, do it gracefully, show up sexy while you do it, but not too sexy so that you're audacious and show up you know, in a way that you can cook and you can clean and you can do all of the things when maybe those aren't even things you want to be doing and you need to do them well, all of it, right? And if not, then women are going to judge each other, which is something that we should work on and that's a whole other topic, but definitely men are going to judge you for how they expect you to be and yet do we judge men on the same level and platform? And so I think it's really interesting to bring that up as women just noticing how you want to be in the world, not how you're expected to be, but how you truly want to be and how you want to be recognized and the significance that you want to have in your gender, your role, your career, your relationship, all of the things, right? So I think that really brings up kind of... um, internal constraints and external ones because there are things that we are putting upon ourselves number one that we get to take responsibility for and then there's also things that are externally placed upon us that we are taking responsibility for regardless of whether we should or whether we want to so for so many women it's like we are the hand and the sword that kills us we are both the person who can save us and the person who needs to be who needs saving So tell me how this has been relevant in your life and how you came to listen to which one and listen to more. Mm, That's a great question. And I think it actually goes back to a point that you raised, a very, very important point that we don't judge men the way we judge ourselves or the way we allow them to judge us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because all of society as we know it men have created the script Mm -hmm. and we, all of us, including women who judge each other, we follow that script, Um, which is where I think we become the hand and the sword. For me, the interesting thing has been when I said, 
And that, that was my realization, right? It was, um, wait a minute, all of this conditioning, all of these expectations, all of this ought to, should, this must do this, all of those types of external um, messaging. And I looked up, you know, I one, it was literally a, a one of those momentary decisions when I said, screw everybody else's scripts. I'm going to write my own. And once the second that happened, really, um, the hand and the sword, um, it just kind of went away and all that was left was me. So there was no sense of, uh, the person who can save us, but also the person who needs saving. There was just the person being. Yes. Yep. Oh my goodness. I feel like I could literally stand on a platform, shout from the rooftop, shake the rafters, right? With this topic, Mm -hmm. because it's such a, it's such a pertinent one and it is so, gosh, relevant regardless of what era you grew up in or what household you were brought up in or what societal norm you have lived in, right? I feel like as a whole, women in general just need to be heard and get to understand that our visibility is of utmost importance. If one woman stands higher and others follow, we all rise. So as we wrap this up, I want to break it down and make it really bite-sized for anybody out there who's listening who's like, oh my gosh, this is so much information. I want to like, what are the key elements to take away? So what do you feel the four key elements are to overcoming any characteristic, any adjective that is placed upon you, any veil you feel is just laying over you? What do you feel has been placed over your truth in this world? What are the four key elements to overcoming that? Um, so for me, I think it comes back to, um, you know, based on my experience, uh, it's first of all, understanding the difference between somebody else's belief system of you and your truth, right? Mm. Once you're able to tease that out that, okay, this is somebody else's belief or expectation versus this is my truth. What ends up happening is, um, no matter what is thrown at you by yourself or by the world at large, you end up becoming infinitely more resourceful because you come from a place of your truth. Mm -hmm. You become infinitely more resilient because you know, as long as you stand in your truth and not in somebody else's beliefs, you can bounce back from any adversity. You become very decisive because your path in terms of who you want to be as a person and as a leader gets super crystal clear. So you get very decisive. And then you actually are in a place where you can take ownership of your own life. You don't have to depend on anybody else to take that ownership because you walk your truth every single moment as soon as you separate that belief system versus truth. So I think that's what either for kind of, key elements that come out as you do this inner work and as you realize your visibility, the key to your visibility is in you being you, Mm. authentically, truly you outside of any other thing. 
any other expectation rather. Holy moly, mic drop right there. I mean, not only was that just so passionately said, so poignantly said, but also just perfectly said. I I can't even say it enough. Like that, those are the exact words that I would use for it. Resourcefulness, resiliency, decisiveness, and ownership of where you're at so that you know where you can go. Oh, I love it. So I think each of these are so necessary, no matter what your starting point is or how much of a head start you think anybody else has. The truth of the matter is that we all start at zero. If you are pivoting, if you are shifting, if you are changing paths, you are writing a new story, you're you're at a clean slate, you are starting at zero, which is your starting line. And we all have that. And we all get to decide what we do with the track set before us and how we run our own race from then on. And that is ownership. So tell me and our audience, obviously, who's chomping at the bit to know you more, to connect with you, to find their own voice right here, right now. Where can they find you? Where do you hang out the most? Um, You would, I think, um, at least according to my phone and my screen time statistics, uh, Facebook. (laughs) Perfect. That's, I think, the best way to find me. But I'm also, so I'm on Facebook at Dr. AJ Rao Coach. And uh, I'm also on Instagram at Dr. AJ GD Gunta. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And of course, I have my website, um, which is www.ajrao.com. I can send you all of those details um, so that if anybody wants to connect with me, um, you know, those are, I'm really all over social media. So it's not, it's not going to be that hard for people to find me. I love it. I love that you have your screen time statistics. That's perfect. I'm such a numbers person. So I just geeked out a little bit over that. So (laughs) I will definitely drop all of your information down into the show notes to make it really easy and clickable for everybody out there so that they can connect and join in on this platform. Heck, let's all be heard. Let's rise as women together. Let's create a collective voice that cannot be ignored and should not be ignored. So what are you currently offering? How can they find that for the woman who's like, me, 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 now, 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 give it to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I'm, I'm actually working on a few things uh, that are coming up for launches, but what I am currently working on and what I would consider is my absolute passion project that's like never going to go away it it will probably evolve as i grow but it will never fully go away is the visible leader training program Mm. and that is the you know that is where i uh you know i pretty much help ambitious working professionals um increase their visibility as they transform themselves into conscientious leaders, you know, and I think those two words are so important because as women, we are naturally so attuned to be more people centered. And, you know, if you talk about like the energy of it, our feminine energy, you know, any feminine energy is about collaboration and not competition, which is why I love the fact that you said, you know, it's your own race, run your own race. And that's the absolute truth of what I do Mm -hmm. is I help women get out of that competitive mode 
and get into a collaboration mode and, you know, and make themselves visible, lift themselves up, but in doing so also amplify their impact by supporting other women and lifting them up too. Yes, queen. If you see somebody's crown that's crooked, fix it for them. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. All right. Um, so that's that's what I'm currently offering. And again, um, I think the easiest way is, um, now I do have to say this program is not for everybody. And I do have to add that caveat in there because this program is for the go-getters. You know what I mean? And there are, and I, I say that in to say that, there may be times in someone's life where um, they are still healing and they are still recovering emotionally, especially right now going through this collective trauma and everything to where um, they understand this is a good idea, um, but they're not ready to do the work. And if they're not ready to do the work, then that's okay. Uh, you know, uh, I'll be here when they're ready to do the work. Mm -hmm. But um, so this is this program is a little intense because it's eight weeks, so it is a little bit intensive. But it so it is geared towards those who are ready to do the work and literally transform themselves in two months. Yes, I love that, and I love that you put a caveat on it because we all deserve to have and understand boundaries upon what we're purchasing, right? Or what we're mm -hmm. investing in. And so I think that that's so um, poignant to say, this is for the go-getters of the world. So ladies out there who are listening, my CEOs, my go-getter gals, this might be for you. So I want you to check it out. It's gonna be down there in the show notes. So I just have to say, this has been, oh my gosh, enlightening, eye-opening. I love this discussion. I love this topic. We all have a story, we all have a struggle, and so often I see women disempowered by theirs, but the truth is, when you own it, when you show up in it, and you show your overcoming of it, you inspire people, period. You become a voice for those who have not yet found theirs. You are the person who is five steps ahead, or maybe more of the woman wishing she knew the path up and out. So do not allow your place and your unknowing stop you from realizing your knowing. So I just want to make sure that the woman out there who's listening to this knows that you are exactly where you are meant to be to help exactly who you are meant to help, who is exactly where they are and ready to be helped. So thank you so much for joining me on these airwaves. I have enjoyed this conversation so much and I have a strong feeling that we will be in contact and connection going forward. It's like, it's so nice to find such a beautiful soul so dedicated to doing such important work that you connect with on so many levels. So this, my friends, is how friendships are made. And I always say, biz besties are the best besties. So more to come from us, I'm sure. Until then, thank you, my dear CEOs, for tuning in. And if you loved this episode, I would love to hear your overcoming story. Message us at She's Doing Big Things on Instagram and be 
heard. I want to know who's out there, who's impacted by the messages that we put out there and so carefully curate on this podcast. So I want to feature you as your overcoming story. Make sure you message us there. All right. It's that time again to say goodbye. And with that, my wish for you, CEOs, is to go out into the world, to go bigger, believe in yourself more, to know that no barrier is too big. You are the perfect person for the job. Your voice matters. And thus, it is time to rise, be heard, impact, and make so much more and live so much freaking freer. Until next time, love you a long time. What is up, my darlings and doers? If you loved this podcast, please don't leave it behind. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and do us a huge favor. Give us a quick rating. It not only helps me to know where you're listening, but it also helps the new listener to find this podcast and become the next doing success story. So with that, I'm off to do some big things or help one of my amazing clients get her doing list done. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.